You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to adameve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item so you get one free item for penis havers one free item for vulva havers one free item for couples and then you also get six free movies from the adameve.com website you can get your favorite porn or an educational film i love free movies they're so awesome this is such a great deal and then on top of that you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to adameve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in darkpod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to adameve.com and take advantage of it right now. 
Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to let you know all about a good friend of mine and somebody who I think you should all get to know. If you are somebody who is looking for a companionship, a friendship, or romance, I want to let you know about my inclusive provider friend, Haley Jade. Haley Jade is a 30-year-old disabled bisexual offering online companionship for friends or romance. They have been published in Vice and HuffPost, and they specialize in working with disabled clients and are disabled themselves. Their online services start at $50 Canadian dollars, and they can be found on Twitter at SexyLifeCoach, Instagram at SexyLifeCoach, and you can book them via their website, Haley Jade, that's H-A-Y-L-E-Y-J-A-D-E dot C-H, to book on their website. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. If you're looking for a fun, sexy, romantic companion who specializes in disabled clients, Haley Jade is the one for you. Book them now. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Andrew here. I am so excited to tell you about all the new things coming up with this podcast, and thank you so much for listening. But the thing I want to quickly tell you about today is you've heard us talk on the Handicast, the special episodes I do with my sister Heather about our brand Handy. You've heard us talk about our new book, The Handy Book of Love, Lust, and Disability. Well, guess what? It is available for pre-order right now on our website, and I'm so excited about this book because it is a book that puts together... 50 amazing disabled and chronically ill contributors to talk to us about sex. But the book just doesn't talk about sex. It talks about how sex and disability feels. So we curated 50 important responses from the disabled community worldwide to write a book that was about not only sex and disability, but the emotions around sex and disability. And we asked contributors to answer questions like, What was the sexiest thing that ever happened to you around your disability? What was the worst sex you've ever had as a disabled person? Tell us about how chronic pain and disability impact your sex life. Tell us about sex work and disability. So many things popped up in this book. It was such an it's such an important collection and it's one that I needed when I was coming up out as queer, coming out as disabled, coming out as all these things. I needed this book and these stories to feel like I wasn't alone. So I want to give you listeners the opportunity to pre-order the book right now and tell you a little bit more about the book. So the book is not only just a book, but the book is actually a donation towards our sex toys. So if you pre-order the book at thatshandy.co, and don't worry, I'll put a link in the show notes. If you pre-order the book right now, you'll every dollar from any book sales will go towards the creation of the first sex toy for and by disabled people. How fucking cool is that? It's really, really awesome, and we're super excited. And if you pre-order the book, you will have it in three accessible options. Hardcover, ebook, and audiobook. So if you want to hear more of my dulcet tones serenading you, my friend Katie Venables and I narrate the book, so you can hear me do a bunch of chapters, and then you can hear her do a bunch of chapters. And we're both disabled individuals, so I think it's a really cool projects. I'd love for you to pick up a copy. By picking up a copy of this book, you're saying that 
sex and disability matters and you're saying that it's an important conversation and you're helping to fund the first sex toy ever for and by disabled people. So pick up your book of The Handybook of Love, Lust, and Disability available right now at thatshandy.co. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories on the Wheels on the Ground Network. I am your host, Andrew Gerza. Your number one queer cripple, your disabled daddy, your disabled dick smith, I'm all those things. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this episode started. I want to let you know that I am looking for new guests on the show all the time to come on the show and tell me your disability story and to shine a light on your disability story. So if you want to come on the show and you've been looking for a cool hour and a cool podcast to maybe cut your teeth on and be a first podcast guest or a recurring guest or anything like that, if you want to come on, send me an email to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and I'd love to hear your story. I'm also looking for people who live with service animals and I want to hear your experiences of having a service animal and what that's been like for you. So send me an email, let me know about your experiences with service animals or any experience you think would be good for the show and I'd love to have you. But now, let's get on with the show. One of the things I love about this show is how it's so interconnected and how people know each other. And people will tell me, oh, I have this friend that wants to come on your show and they love what you're doing and they love to be uh, a part of your show. And that's what happened on this episode. I was introduced through my friend Kate Wolofsky, who you've heard on the show before. She introduced me to her friend Taylor, who said, I love your show. I want to come on. I have a story to share about my life. And I was like, sure, come on. And so they wrote me the most amazing email that was like, Andrew, my origin story needs to be a movie by itself. I want to share that with you. I want to share with you so many different things. We talked, I sit down with Taylor, and I talk to them about their disabilities, which range from having something that is related to chickenpox that I can't remember, to scoliosis, to a whole bunch of other different things. We talk about how their gender identity was totally informed by their disability. We talk about so much in this episode. It was just really fun to sit down with them and have a laugh. And they have a really dry sense of humor like I do, and so we joked around a bit. So I'm really, really excited to introduce you to my new friend Taylor on the episode today. We also talk about our, you know, how we both have scoliosis, how we both have different different, a whole bunch of disabilities. It's just nice to sit down with somebody and make a new friend and and bond over disability stuff. And that's what I love about the show. And that's what you're going to hear on the episode today as Taylor recounts their origin story with us and so much more right here on Disability After Dark. Taylor, hello. Hey. Hey, I'm really excited you're on Disability After Dark. How are you today? I'm doing well by yourself. I'm hanging in, you know, it's month a million of COVID and we're just, you know, doing it, but it's all right. We're good. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm so happy that you're on here because you're a friend of one of my repeat guests on the show, 
and my good friend Kate Wolofsky, uh has been talking you up to me for months and months now and so it's kind of cool that we're finally sitting down together to do this because she's been like oh my god tell you need to have Taylor on your show like let's figure it out oh my goodness so it's really nice to like it's finally happening um right this is pretty exciting yeah Kate's been doing the same thing she's been hyping you up this whole time too (laughs) don't you love it when the crypt community is like let's all work together and be best friends it's pretty cool Right? Yeah, such a concept, I swear. I know. Togetherness, <laughs> friendship, what? Shocking. I know. Revolutionary. <laughs> it totally is, though. Um, so, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you do, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Taylor, uh, and I go by they, them pronouns. Um and uh, I, I live in California. Um, and the, if anybody's familiar with California, uh, I live in like the Central Coast area. So like south of San Francisco. And um, I currently, I, I do fundraising work um, as, as my profession. And then I also do uh, advocacy work for LGBT rights and also uh, disability community as well. Um, I myself am disabled and also from the queer community. So it's kind of a, I guess, personal touch to it too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Awesome. And we're going to get into all that. I have a ton of questions about all those intersections for you. It's going to be a good, it's going to be a good, awesome interview today. I'm excited. So the first thing that you wrote on your questionnaire that made me laugh my head off when I reread it this morning, because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yes, I need to hear all this. The very first thing you said was, I want to share with you my origin story, which immediately made me think, are you a giant nerd? Because only nerds... I, I might be. I might be. Because <laughs> as a fellow nerd, only nerds who are nerds say, I want to share my origin story with you. Okay. <laughs> I, did I give it away? <laughs> Yeah, I mean a little bit. I felt very. Uh, I felt like I felt my nerd kinship was like happening when I heard that. You also said that it would make an awesome blockbuster movie of its own. So yeah. tell me the tale, friend. Uh, yeah. So yeah, to uh, to clarify on the nerd part, yeah, I'm a big, definitely a big nerd. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, just so I guess about my origin story. Um, so yeah, just what it is, is that somatic disability, it was, is congenital. Um, so much means that you're born with it. And, um, but mine actually started before I was even born. It was, um, I know, right? Like, yeah, just got a head start on it, you know? Yeah. And um, so what it, what it was is that my, my mother, when she was pregnant with me, ended up contracting um, the chickenpox virus, and she, at the time of gestation that she contracted it, um, there's, like, a window of time where, like, it can affect the baby inside, or the fetus, and so, of course, apparently, I just happened to get the luck of the draw, and, um, you know, (laughs) and, um, the chickenpox actually passed through her blood system, through the placenta to me 
And so um, I ended up having chicken pox when I was still in the womb. And so, be, and then, um, but because this was 1990s and everything, there wasn't a lot of technology to figure out what was going on. And so the only thing that they knew at the time was that I was really small, I was a small baby. And so when I was born, um, I happened to be born uh, like eight months, at eight months. So like five and a half weeks early. So like two months preemie? Yeah, yeah. Nice. And, uh, and I came out of the womb, just surprise. And, uh, <laughs> and um, so basically that whole day was, um, I was born on Veterans Day, which is like November 11th. Cool. So it's almost your birthday. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Next month. Um, but I was technically supposed to be a Christmas baby. And so I was like an early Christmas present. And um, so basically my, my mom ended up going to the hospital thinking like, oh, just run some tests. <laughs> then, you know, five hours later, it, there's a baby. <laughs> oh, wow. And, yeah. So like they sounds like one of those like TLC, like yeah. I didn't know I was pregnant with a kid moments. <laughs> I mean, obviously she knew she was pregnant, but like, Nobody knew that I was going to be born that day. It was more of just like a something doesn't feel right. She, I get, she had like um, preeclampsia and things like that. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you just need bed rest. Like you'll stay in the hospital, and then, and then I came. And then you're like, out. I'm doing it. Fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah. So, but um, so yeah. So I was born um on the 11th, and when they pulled me out, um. I didn't have any skin on the right side of my body. And so like when they pulled me out, it was like kind of kind of like a horror movie where like you can like see inside. Of so, my I, mean, body. I mean, did you? Okay. Okay. And so like, I'm so confused because my, my brain is going to like weird, unfortunately, very ableist horror movie tropes. But I'm wondering like, you know, is it was it you had no skin or was it just translucent or did you actually not have skin? Well, it was more like translucent um, because the chicken pox was like um, where it was on my body, like my, and the timing of when I got it, my skin on my right side of my body didn't develop. Okay. So it was, um, so yeah, so it was, and then I have nerve damage on the left side of my face and then the right side of my body. So it does like a weird crisscross. Um but yeah, so when they pulled me out, um, everybody kind of like was super quiet and didn't know what to do. And <laughs> I feel like as an expectant parent of a disabled child, that's a horrible thing to be. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then after they wheeled me away, my mother had to be like had emergency surgery um, and everything. And then um I went to a children's hospital right after because they had to treat me like a burn patient because I didn't have any skin yeah and so and then from there um so my my mom's having surgery and then they send me to the children's hospital and my dad was going back and forth between <laughs> between the two hospitals what that's so much like stress on your poor family on your like very first day of being alive that's a lot right? yeah 
I mean, hey, challenge accepted, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so this whole day, like my dad's going back and forth between the two hospitals and things like that. And, um, and towards the end of the day, um, you know, my mom's in recovery, you know, and things like that. And I'm at the other hospital. And um, by the time my dad uh, goes home, because they're like, okay, you've been here long enough, like you can go home and, and rest, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and by the time he goes home, um, my dad at the time, like, worked, he worked in like city government and things like that. And um, when he got home to our, to our house at the time, um, there happened to be a uh, murder suicide on our street. Oh no! What? So you were being born and yeah. having and like, you know. <laughs> and so and so the kicker is that um, in order for my and my dad knew like the the fire chief and the police chief and everything because that was part of his job. And so in in order to get into his house, he had to step over a dead body to get on <laughs> into the house after he did just had this whole day of like a new baby that wasn't expected and then his wife having emergency surgery and like that was the day I was born that's I mean that is that does <laughs> I don't know how we would fit your birth into like the next Scream franchise but somebody <laughs> yeah. should do that yeah so yeah um, that's my it's kind of a short synopsis of my origin story there. Do you have any longer bits that you want to share? Any, any like other parts that are like really? Um, I mean, the only thing that makes it more, I guess, blockbuster is that because it happened to be Veterans Day and it was a Monday, it was a three-day weekend. So nobody was in town. Cool. So it was like... <laughs> Yeah, it was like dead zone, literally, with the murder suicide, and then you were born. Awesome. Yep, I just put the put the icing on the cake. Amazing, amazing. Um, can you can you kind of elaborate for us like what is your disability and how it, other than what you've already told us, how does it affect your day to day? Yeah. Um. So my disability, um, the condition that my disability came from. I guess you could call it is called um, congenital varicella. So basically like chicken pox at birth, like translated. Yeah. Um, and so from having that, like the disabilities that I got are, um, I have scoliosis. Me too. Oh, nice. Yay. Another scoliosis person. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so I have scoliosis. I have um 10 cranial nerve damages so you have like 12 cranial nerves and 10 of them are damaged which is awesome are you just annoyed that you didn't get all 12 like come on if you're gonna you do know, it right? like, come on now like all or nothing right yeah like, like if you're gonna do it go all in like go all in like why yeah. do you have to leave like the last two out the, you know? just the last two <laughs> yeah so yeah i have um and like i was saying before because of the way that the chicken pox affected me in the womb, um, it affects the, I have kind of like Bell's palsy on the left side of my face. And then I have nerve damage on the right side of my body. Well, I don't know how to tell you this, but I feel like you should know that I have a palsy too. 
And I mean, why? First of all, why we're not best friends? Secondly, cerebral palsy is the best palsy. So I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, you didn't get the better one, but I would. Oh. <laughs> um. So so how does like how does all the how does having the the facial stuff affect your day to day? Like, does it? I in looking at you, mm-hmm. like. Because I know now, like I, it's prominent now. But like, how does it for you, just living your life? Mm-hmm. How does it make you feel? Um. Well, it's definitely been something that has affected my life. Um. I think having the the Bell's palsy and having the scoliosis it does make me a lot more visible as a disabled person. Um. I do have invisible disabilities like digestive problems and things like that. Me too. How are we not? Do we like? Did we like know each other up in when we were coming? No, we like, listened. <laughs> Wait, another parallel universe. Yeah, like or a palsy universe, if you will. <laughs> oh, snap! <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So no, it really does affect. Um. It doesn't affect me necessarily by myself too much but it does affect me when I go out in public. Um, Like ever since I was a kid, even as a baby, like people always made comments and things like that. And like when my parents used to take me out as a kid, like people would literally come up to them and be like, oh, what's wrong with your baby? Oh God. Yeah, like no doubt. (laughs) So, um, and yeah, I mean, so in a way, like, Quarantine cause has kind of been great for me because I I don't have to get stared at in public. First of all, people don't stare at mean. Secondly, oh no, people stare at me all the time. <laughs> I mean, do you ever do like do you ever do anything to like if they're gonna stare? Do you give them do you give them like extra reasons to stare? Like do you do you like fine? You're gonna do that? I'll I'll dress up like a superhero nerd or I'll like do something really outlandish to make you look at me. Um, sometimes like if, like if I am out in public and I know like I have a meeting or something or something fancy happening, like I'll dress really nice. Yeah. So that like gives them like an extra reason to like look at me. Um, but nice. yeah. So I guess like fashion is like the answer. What is um, your, now looking, judging from what you're wearing today. Uh, what is your like you look very you look like a woods person i do like my flannels <laughs> you got a lumberjack thing happening yeah i like uh i like my flannels i like my button-ups things like that see as somebody who see i can't do button-ups because i, I can't button anything to like they feel super restrictive when you're sitting in a wheelchair to wear a button-up it just feels oh, yeah super like uncomfy but i think i mean i think you're rocking it right now thank you i actually um i only button shirts with my left hand so i only button shirts with one hand nice yeah because my right hand doesn't work very well so i used i just use one hand that's a big skill that i i can't button anything with any hand so good for you that's awesome (laughs) yeah um so so other than other than having the what is your disability called again i'm gonna forget it the whole episode <laughs> it's kind of complicated it's a you can just call it cvs but it's like the store yes like the store uh, uh, awesome it's a but well, what it is it's a congenital varicella 
syndrome. Okay. So with, so with your CVS, like one of the things you said in your questionnaire that I love so much and Mm -hmm. why I was like, I want to talk to this person immediately is because you were like, the complexity of my disability, it has, it's rare and has a lot of other conditions combined to make it fun, fucktastic. (laughs) So can you share with us more of like, what is, what other stuff come with it? Like what other grab bag of joy do you have to contend with? Uh, yeah, so um, besides the the facial palsy and the scoliosis, um, I well, with the scoliosis, I um, I've had four spinal fusion surgeries. Jesus, wow. Yep, yep. So oh. I and uh, and because of the nerve damage, so that the my major part of my nerve damage, of course, um, you know, because viruses are so great, you know. Um, oh yeah, they're so fun as as we're learning in 2020. Right, yeah. do great great stuff. <laughs> right? Yeah, um and so with the chickenpox virus like um it's one of those viruses that attacks your nervous system. And so for me, um the the greatest thing that it did was that all of my regulatory functions, so like temperature, heart rate, blood pressure are just basically a gamble every day. Great. It's like, what am I going to be today? Am I going to be cold? Am I going to be hot? Is my, you know, is my heart going to be fast or slow? I don't know. Like every day I just wake up and we just see what happens. So, so I can imagine for you, like that's, that can't be, that can't be a fun gamble to have at all. I mean, you know, if, if it was a drinking game, it would be great. I mean, could we make your disability in Ricky game? Is it possible? Hey, you know, where's the... I mean, I mean, even though your disability is like the store, it kind of is like the store because you can pretty much get anything at a CVS. So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, I basically have a CVS under my bathroom sink, like with everything that I need. (laughs) You should go in there and be like, excuse me, I, I have my disability spells out the letters of your store i'd like a free something please <laughs> i would like free everything please yes please i want to be the spokesperson for all the things you require like my condition is free advertising for you for yeah show. just figure it out cbs figure it out but <laughs> let's back let's back up for a minute the four spinal fusions i had one and it okay. was a shit show it was it, it was is. it can be a shit show yeah no for sure 20 years ago and it was literally the hardest surgery that I've ever had to go through because not only did I have it, I got it got infected afterwards. Ooh, so I had to have it debrided and mm. all this stuff happened. But I can't imagine having four of those. Yeah. So like for me, so I had they happened in two parts. There were four surgeries are they all together, but they were two separate procedures. So or two separate times in my life. So I had spinal fusion. The first spinal fusion I had was when I was eight. Um, Wow. Because of the nerve damage on the right side of my body, my scoliosis progressed a lot sooner than expected. Yep. And so um, they had to do emergency spinal fusion, um, which is, you know, oh, so fun. That's terrifying. At eight years old, I remember being 16, having mine, being like, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I can't imagine being eight. Yeah. So instead of summer camp, I had surgery. Oh, God. So, oh, no. you know, that was my life. Um, 
So, so yeah, and because I, I am a relatively small statured person, um, four foot ten, woohoo. Um, wow. Not wow. even not even five feet. You can thank this fusion for that. Oh, uh, yeah. I have like weird body proportions. Like I have super long arms and legs, but because of the fusion, my torso is really short. So it's just kind of like I don't. So if you were to like <laughs> give us an example of like what who what like fictional character has body proportions similar to you? That's a good question. I don't know. Because um, I'm kind of picturing, like, E.T.? Yeah, you know, it's funny. People have called me E.T. before. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, like, hit it. It's funny, because I also have really long fingers. It's like, we. it's, yeah. It's like the so, one step of my body that was truncated was my torso. I mean, the reason I bring up E.T. was because when I was a kid, my mom and I played a game where I have spastic fingers and I have long as you can see on the camera there, I have long spastic yeah. fingers, so I would do we play the game where I'd be like, Elliot, I'll be right here. And I would like point my spastic finger. So that's why I brought a BT, because I, I used to play ET with my spastic hands all the time. Uh yeah, I don't know. ET maybe or Yoda, maybe. <laughs> well, well, both are wise. Awesome. Both are wise and small, so I will take that. Or, yeah, yeah. Or maybe like the best. Maybe Frodo from Lord of the Rings. I'm there for that. He's also wise and small. <laughs> so yeah, just something small and wise. The question that springs to mind about that is, do you have hairy feet? I do not. That is the one thing I do not have. Oh, we have to work on that then. Yeah, no, I don't have to, you know, get on that. Yeah. Um. So one of the things you talk about in your questionnaire, and I would love to hear more about this from you, because every disabled person does this journey differently. You've been on a journey to accept your disability. And in doing that, you accepted your queerness and your gender identity. And I'd love to, I always love hearing when people tell me how those two worlds kind of intersected for them. Can you, can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah. So basically, obviously growing up with like a visible disability and a very physical one, um, it's very difficult to conform to anything that society puts in front of you. Um, And in addition to being born with a disability, I also was assigned um, female at birth, um, which I don't identify with. Um, I kind of identify as like non-binary or genderqueer kind of uh, realm. and that's really because my because of my disability, it's my body doesn't conform to either masculine, I guess, idea and feminine idea. Like, <laughs> you know, and so that's why I, I I felt comfortable with as a non-binary kind of identity because my body that's kind of where it's most comfortable at. Um, and yeah, with my disability for a long, long time, I, it was very difficult to accept my disability. And I felt part of it was also my, my family, it wasn't really talked about. It was kind of like, oh, this is just the thing that you have to deal with. But like, you're like everybody else. So don't worry. And it was just like this weird conflict with me where it's like, my body wouldn't fit in certain clothing and things like that. And 
I tried to be, you know, as since I was assigned female, like my family were very much about gender roles. <laughs> right. And so, you know, they tried to put me in dresses and princess and all of those lovely feminine things, which like is great for some people. But for me, I was just never about that, like ever. Um, and I showed signs. Yes, of- I totally was. Hey, which is cool. Like, I totally like. I was all about princess. Everything I wanted to be, I was all. But so, <laughs> so I, t- I totally was. Yeah, and um, yeah. For me, it was the opposite. So um, I was. I showed signs of being gender nonconforming from a really young age. Um, like for example, like my, I literally had an argument with my mother about being in ballet when I was four years old because she wanted me to wear a tutu and you know she thought ballet would be good for my scoliosis and so I I feel like no (laughs) yeah I don't know where the logic was with that but yeah I don't think you doing a plie is gonna clear up your scoliosis but all right yeah and so and so I just remember like you know her wanting me to be be her little girl that like did dance you know like a lot of you know parents see their you know children yeah or see you know when they have a little girl like what they what their idea of having a little girl is is like oh ballet and dance and stuff and and I just wasn't about that and so and I and I um and I just remember like we had like an argument when I was like four about about like no, I am not wearing a tutu. <laughs> wow, that's. I mean, part of me is like, that would be tough on your mom. How do you argue with a four-year-old about how that's not happening? I was but very also, <laughs> but also like, good for you at four for knowing who you were. Yeah, and so anyway, um, yeah. So like throughout the years, like I would try to push the boundaries of like gender a little bit, you know, like I and I also. Mind you, like when I was growing up, I have an older brother. And so I, because fortunately I had an older brother, like I was exposed to a lot of like masculine things and stuff like that. And so like, you know, I would play with like his toys and like trucks and Legos and all of those things. Um, But then, you know, I also had stuffed animals. And so like I played with those too. So like, I didn't really, I kind of like, let my disability like tell me what was comfortable to play with you know because like I couldn't play sports I couldn't play but I also it was also difficult for me to play dress up because like it takes a lot of energy and things like that and a lot of like mobility to like take to off. put on a thing and take up but yeah yeah totally exactly. and so like it was it was just kind of like this weird experience growing up where like I couldn't really play like gender roles like physically yeah because like I couldn't go play football with the boys and I couldn't play dress up with the girls so like I ended up just kind of doing something in between and um but as I got older of course when (laughs) when we all become teenagers (laughs) um you know it's like they it was almost kind of like I was forced to choose like okay like you're either going to commit to being a girl and just deal with it or or like just not at all 
And so that's so hard. That's so like, I get it though, because teenhood and disabilityhood is so fun together. It's such a great time. It was great, (laughs) but not really. Um, But yeah, and so just, um, it was very, my teenage years were very difficult for me. Um, Not only because of my disability, but because of when you're raised as a teenage girl, there's there's so much that conflicts with having a disability yeah like you know because you're you're taught to be prim and proper and do your hair and do your makeup and you have to wear all these you know these lingerie things and oh you have to look pretty and oh you have to do this and that and etc and and it was like a lot of those things that you're told to do when you're raised as a girl a teenage girl were so difficult for me to do physically and like we're just um you know and so but the problem was like I never realized that like the reason it was so difficult for me to be to not conform to femininity was be was because of my disability I just thought that like oh why isn't my body doing this like why can't like why didn't it just snap my fingers and I can just get in a dress Exactly. And like, and for a long time, unfortunately, you know, I felt, I kind of felt like about my gender, about like, oh, well, if I was born, if I was born a girl, then like, why doesn't my body look the way that it's supposed to? Oh. And so like, it was kind of like that unfortunate, like, thought process for a long time. Was like I never really wanted to be a girl and I obviously never didn't want to be dis- disabled but it was like okay everyone's saying I'm a girl and this is what I'm supposed to do so like why can't my body just fucking do, do it already yeah 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 exactly and and so yeah for a long time you know I just I, I ignored my disability for a long time because I thought that that was the problem like I thought that like oh it's like my body is the problem not not society, not, you know, all that that comes involved with that. It was, and so, you know, I had a lot of issues with, you know, mental health and, you know, anxiety and depression and definitely PTSD symptoms from being in the hospital all the time. And, um, but yeah, my teenage years were kind of the roughest for me. And then when I got to college, um, college was kind of one of those times where it was eye-opening for me and um and really was a really difficult but awakening time for me difficult in like what sense like just like transitioning from being kind of home and having to figure it up yourself or like yeah a little bit of like it was just it was yes and it was just a time for me where like you know, like a lot of people who are able-bodied, like kind of go through their rebel phase or growth phase when they're in high school. Yeah. I went through that in college. I'm still going through that right now. You know, and everybody does it on their own, <laughs> own level. Yeah. But yeah, but it was, it was difficult in every which way. Um, when I got to college, I, I always felt like my disability was something that like was part of my childhood. And that was just like, oh, once I graduate high school and I go to college, then like it's over. My disability is over. So you gave yourself this like, and I totally can relate to this. You gave yourself this 
a totally impossible timeline, an uh-huh. un- unrealistic time. Like I think when we're disabled and we have missed the, and I talk about this a lot on my social media, we miss the markers of like what a normal teenager would do or what a normal adolescent yeah. would do. And our, our markers are different. Like you and I talked about some of them just now, like our first surgeries and our first, like our markers are extremely different. Yeah. So we give ourselves these improbable timelines because we're magically hoping that at that point something will pan out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and also like, I think having an older, an older sibling too kind of made that more like apparent for myself of like that timeline of like, okay, well, you know, like my older sibling like did this and did this in high school. So like now it's my time. and I have to do this now. And so like, um, so basically when I went to college, I, I know this is going to sound kind of silly, but I almost like pretended I didn't have a disability. Okay. Tell me all the parts of this story. What did you say? Tell me all the parts of this story. So um, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing because it's like, oh, how, <laughs> how it is to be young and naive. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically like when I was 18, went off to college and I knew that like my disability is visible. So I knew like I look different, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to have it act differently. You know, I didn't want to have to do anything differently than anybody else. Yeah. You know, and so, so basically like my first semester of college, I partied like everybody else. Like I went out, I drank, I smoked, I did all the things that if you have a disabled body, you probably shouldn't do. I know, but it's so fun to do it. It's so fun to do it, though. I know. I, I agree with you, right? but it's yeah. so fun at the time to do it. <laughs> you know, when you're 18 and you're young and you're like, you know, you're nobody gets to tell you what to do and you go out. And, it's like, and I think for us, too, as disabled like people, I think we've been so conditioned to do it a certain way and do it a, and, and follow the rules and be yeah. okay for our health. The minute I left home, as a disabled person, I, I too was like, I'm going to do everything that I was not supposed to do. I'm going to decide to get a pizza at 2 a.m. because <laughs> exactly. I'm going to eat all the stuff that I know is going to hurt me, but I don't care anyway. Exactly. Like, so yeah. I, to- I totally get it. Yeah. And it was, just, and I think what people don't understand is like when you're born with a disability and you go up with one, you do kind of live a sheltered life to some extent. Yeah. And so like when you go out into the world on your own, you, you know, you just have no idea how, how your body is going to react to it. And so, and, um, and yeah, for a very long time, up to, for about two years into being into college, that was kind of my life. It was like, I just ignored my body completely. I pushed it so far to its limits that I don't even know how I'm alive. Um, <laughs> and, but I am. And so, um, and you know, I drank too much, smoked too much, ate all the wrong foods. Um, What's your favorite bad guilty pleasure food that you're not supposed to have, but you're like, I love it. Um, I don't eat it anymore, but, um, what was it? What did I have? It was, 
I used to have bagel bites. You know what oh, those are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what I do is I would either I get drunk and then I get a little bit high and then I would just eat like an entire box. Oh no, like, your poor tummy. Yeah, exactly. And I don't have a big stomach, you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. And so now just like gorge on bagel bites and then just like sit there like like yeah. suffering and dying inside yeah yeah and so um but yeah but it wasn't until so like two years of college go by and I had this habit of like not taking care of myself and things like that and you know and just trying to find some way of fitting in like everybody does yeah and, um, and then about halfway through my college days um I was realizing that I, you know, I was slowing down, like my body wasn't doing well and things like that. And what was happening was that while I was doing all of the chaotic things, um, I, uh, my scoliosis was getting worse again. And so, um, and so when I was uh, 20 years old, I ended up needing to get emergency um scoliosis surgery again another emergency one another one so it wasn't quite an emergency because it was like I was able to plan it out a little bit but it was unexpected yeah and so and it literally and that was a huge like wake-up call for me because you know for a long time I was just kind of like ignoring my body trying to be this feminine person that I knew I wasn't but like felt like I had to be and trying to be straight which I'm also not (laughs) you know and all these things and like and you know just trying to be like everybody else and this surgery that I had really just like like blew my mind and was like yo you're disabled like get a clue (laughs) (laughs) you know and let's and that's in a sense to me that's really like what that surgery was it was just like a huge like wake up call to my body of like, Hey, like all this shit that you're doing is not working, you know? Yeah. I think when I started having, and I've had tummy issues now for the last like 10 years, fun. But when I started, when I started having like GERD and like acid reflux stuff and mm-hmm. gallbladder issues and like random vomiting spells and like, and it's because I wasn't eating properly and I wasn't taking care of myself. And I mean, this yeah. happened like, during looking back on my college years during college and after college because I was like I'm an adult I can do what I want no big deal but now it's now it's like no yeah silly you should have been listening to your body exactly and like and and so when I had this surgery um you know it was a it was very difficult time because I had to stop college I took a year off from college and um ended up having it was 11 plus hours of surgery oh no i mean that's (laughs) so much surgery that's so much surgery oh god yeah um and also by the way the just to let your listeners know i've had um a total of 23 surgeries So this was nothing. This is like, oh yeah, just another surgery. You know? Just another Tuesday. Just hang <laughs> out. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it was and so the 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 thing that made it like I think was a pinnacle point for me, like discovering my queerness during this time was that it was 
I had the same surgeon who did my spinal fusion back when I was eight. Okay. And so it was almost, and I had the surgery at the same hospital. And as, as some disabled people know, sometimes you can stay at the same hospital that you've always been at as a child because. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a cool idea. Hey. Yeah. Well, at least here in the States, you can. I don't know. Toronto hospitals. Figure it out. I want to stay at the sick kids hospital as a 30 year old man. Figure it out. Well, you can't do it as a 30 year old. There's like a time limit, but like you, once you're past 18, you can go to the, if you have a certain condition that requires the same surgeon, you can be at that hospital. Like, I think by the time, like by the age of like 22, I think it is. Okay. But you have to like, it's very specific. I just yeah. happen to be one of those people. So, um, and so, yeah, but like going through that surgery, it was kind of like a reliving of my childhood all over again, because it was at the same hospital and the same surgeon and the same surgery that I went through as an, as a child. And so it was kind of like, you know, this moment of like, okay, like clearly this isn't working. We need to, <laughs> we need to figure something out. And, um, it was a very long recovery period for me. Um, I had to, my lung collapsed twice. I like, it was just a hot mess. Oh, wow. That's so, there's so much going on there. Like I know that surgery, like yeah. that surgery is already not fun. And then when your lung collapses twice, like, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, that's not a good feeling. So if anybody wants to know what a lung collapse feels like just uh yeah you don't want to don't know. wear a mask right now you'll know quite exactly soon. exactly go get covid and then you'll know yeah but so like don't get covid at the same time wear your masks everybody wear your masks exactly yeah um but yeah and so after recovering from surgery it i so i had surgery in the may of 2012 and then i ended up going back to school eight months later wow and, yeah so because um, I would have been like fuck school and out like that I need a break yeah well for me at the time like school is the one thing that kept me going because of everything and yeah so, um and so then I ended up getting I went back to school but of course that didn't stop me from not I was listening I was better at listening to my body but I still wasn't like on the bandwagon of like being disabled you know I wasn't <laughs> It's a, it's what, but it's a hard community to get into. Like it is, yeah. and I had a lot of, unfortunately, like because I have the type of dis- disability that's really visible. Um, there were I had a lot of issues from people in the invisible disability community who would give me crap for, for like being so visible and being like, oh, it's so easy for you. Yours is obvious. That's bullshit. I don't like that at all. Like- <laughs> and so, like, that's a lot. And so, on, like, on top of, like, trying to figure it out, like, I did get a lot of crap from the disability community about accepting my body because they were like, oh, well, you you have it easier because yours is easy. You can see it, you know? See, I, I, I totally disagree with that. I, I don't think... Yeah. I don't think any, any disability is easy. And we shouldn't, especially in, in our... And this is why I often say that it's not a disability community. It's a bunch of disability communities because yes, exactly each of them have different ecosystems and viewpoints and 
experiences and so anyway but i just think it's shitty that that a community would shun you because you're more disabled and therefore it's easier for you like i don't what yeah i know it's it's a it's it's a crazy concept but (laughs) but um but yeah and so when i so just fast forwarding to the last couple years in my um college mainly more so towards the the last year uh, my fourth year, um, or technically fifth, because I took five years to graduate. Um, That's okay. I took like six to do my first four-year degree. So cool. Ooh, yeah. Um, that was when I always was like knew that the queer community, like the LGBT club was on campus and things like that. But I never really got involved because it was kind of one of those things where like I always knew I was queer, but I was like too afraid to like admit it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um i mean i even started the gsa club at my high school so like um all the signs pointing to your what about say just like come on now really you know but um but yeah it took me a long time to figure it out and when i i joined the lgbt club on campus my last year and we did i helped put on our a rainbow prom i don't know if Oh, I love it. I want to go to it. How do I get tickets? Where do we go? <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, but I helped put on a rainbow prom. And I think that process like really helped me. That was kind of like the beginning of me like understanding my queerness because I realized that by being queer, your body doesn't have to conform to anything. Yeah. And so for me, that was just like a huge like aha moment of like, oh my God, like I can actually like dress what fits my body. I can actually be who I want to be because of my body. Like I don't have to force it to be like this pretty prim proper, like blonde hair, blue eyed girl. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is like the crazy thing is that when I was in my early years of college, I literally look like that. Like I dyed my hair blonde. I have one bluish eye. I have two different colored eyes, by the way. Um, side note. Oh, you are just full of anomalies. It's amazing. Right? Yeah. But it was like weird because when I look at old pictures of me from now, it's like, holy crap, I look like straight out of Mean Girls or something. You can you can text me that picture any yeah. at any time. I'll be waiting. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think like just discovering the queer community and discovering like how diverse it is really, really helped me actually accept my disability which wow. then made me accept my queer identity because here was an opportunity for me to dress how what was best for my body and how unique it is than trying to force it into like a box a box yeah do yeah. you now i have found that the lgbtq community can be super ableist and oh, has yeah. a lot <laughs> of it like, has a ton at least in my experience as a queer as a queer male identified person um uh-huh. i use he and they pronouns but i'm still identify as male uh but i feel i feel like they've been super uh ableist to me how did you feel like how have you felt with the that community where you are um well the community here is a little bit smaller but um I would say that the ableism is is also here. I don't think it ever really goes away no matter where you go, um, unfortunately. But um, again, I think it also comes down to like what kind of disability you have. So like 
unfortunately, like for someone like yourself who uses a wheelchair or like uses wheels, it's a lot more difficult. Whereas like someone like myself, because I, I am able to walk, it's kind of like I'm somewhere, I'm like on the, fr- I'm on the fringe. Yeah, you know? you're like, you're like right, you're right in the, you're right in the middle of that, of that like safe area where. Exactly. Yeah. You're it's just in the, like the. And actually someone said this to me, like there's some, some girl that I asked out or whatever a, a while back and like, you know, and she thought, I'm like on that, in that category where it's like, oh, you're cute because you look unique, but I'm not so disabled that like I disgust people. You know what I mean? Oh, that's it's like, it's like I'm cute because I look different, but like not so different that like ooh, I don't but know. I, yeah, and the, you're also in a, you're in a in a state you're in a a different category too. I think because also you don't unlike me, you wouldn't require as much help as yeah. as I would. So there's no obligation from a sexual partner or somebody you're interested in to have to also take in a care role. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, no, you, you, yeah, you definitely. Um, I mean, trust me, I've had my issues of ableism in the queer community, like, especially when it comes to participating in like events and stuff like that. Like it's definitely, I think a lot of people in the queer community, like at least my experience is like, I, again, like being on the fringe in terms of like disability look, you know, that people know that something's off, but they don't always pick up on what it is. Yeah. And so it's like, huh, you look a little different, but like they don't think about it as being disabled. They just think of it as like, oh, like your face just looks weird. Can you say like, <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> So when I, when I do go out with people or, or date people and, you know, I have to explain to them that like, yeah, I have a disability and this is a situation. They're like, oh, well, you look really good for like someone disabled. I'm like, mm. thank you. Also, no? it's like, okay. fuck off. Exactly. And so it's like, and then that causes me like a lot of like confusion and anxiety because I'm like, wait, why? Like in the queer community, aren't we supposed to be accepting of all body types and all different? Yeah, things? you'll very quickly learn that that's not so much the case. And I, yeah. like, for me as a gay man who likes men, mm-hmm. and anyone who's listened to this podcast over the last nine months will know that it's been a long time since I've had some dick. So I'm, I'm so like I get it, but also like the community is so they're so hung up on a very particular aesthetic, and yeah. it's just unfortunate that like you say our bodies don't allow us to fall into those aesthetics so exactly, yeah like i am most comfortable in track pants and a t-shirt because i have to sit all the time yep. but if i wanted to wear a sexy pair of jeans and mm-hmm. like show off my bulge to a dude or something yeah. that's yeah. not something i can do yeah exactly and like and same for me where it's like you know i'm more comfortable and um like a flannel and like pants because i'm always cold yeah but um but like if I I would love to wear like I don't know some like tight shorts and like a harness or something like that you know but like (laughs) but I can't because like it's the harness like chafes on my skin and then if I were to wear shorts then like I would also (laughs) so it's just kind of like yeah so I feel you there 
And you mentioned in your questionnaire also, as we were talking a little bit about dating and stuff, you said that going on Tinder and disclosing your disability is a whole other thing by itself. Oh, God, yeah. It's... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, coming back to... So I technically identify as, like, bisexual. So um, I tend to preference fan-identified people a little bit more. But um, I am also a big fan of dick. Uh, (laughs) Just, like... (laughs) Just more as like, a, how do I like to say it? I like to say it, it's like having dick is kind of like having in and out where it's like when you want it, you want it really bad, but you only want it ever so often. Oh, so you're like addicted. It's like fast food for me. It's like when I want it, I want it bad, but I'm so, not, I don't want it all the time. So it's like you want those fries at 3 a.m., but only at 3 a.m. and not after that. Exactly. I got it. Yeah. And it's like, and every time you do it, then you're like, oh, why did I, why did I eat that? But then you're like, but you're going to go do it again. You're like, maybe in two months, I'll get those fries again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Like, that's kind of how it works for me. Whereas like with, with, you know, with the, the other parts, like, you know, like cunt or whatever. I, I don't like the wood pussy. I like saying cunt. I don't know. I'm down for that. I, I, for me personally, uh, I know it's hard with like, I know because since you're like a gay male, well, like, well, that. I mean, I, I mean, when I went to the UK, they use cunt as like, uh, oh, you're a cunt, just like they just use it off the cuff. So uh-huh. I've gotten weirdly comfortable just using it, and I keep forgetting that in North American context, that's not, it's not, you have to be very careful <laughs> how that word is used. So, um, for me, as like, I'm, as like a gay man, when I talk about dick, I like to use the word like cock. Yeah. Or like dick feels, I'll say dick, but I like cock because it's a hard K. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about cunt because it's like a hard C. Yeah, yeah. Like with pussy, I don't know. That just sounds, just sounds weird to my, in my opinion. Yeah, I and mean, I can totally see that. Well, yeah, definitely like for me, it's up with the hard, like the the sound is really, I don't know, it turns out it's weird. Uh, <laughs> so you on Tinder. Yes. I'm not on Tinder now. I have, I am not on any dating apps at the moment, but I'm kind of taking a break from it. I don't blame you. And, and it's the perfect time to do that because we're in the middle. Hello? Hey. Did you lose oh, me? Yeah, you paused for a little bit. Oh no, I think I think we're I think we're back on there, and oh. I'm a shitty editor, so I'm not going to edit that out because yeah. So Ooh, well, we'll pause there. If you're listening, there it is. So what I said was, <laughs> it's good that you're taking a break because nobody should be nobody should be making out during COVID times. Nope, nope, don't do that. Don't do it. No. Um, like if there's any other cool things in your questionnaire that I wanted to speak on. Okay, talk about being on Tinder and what that's like. Yeah, do that. Go ahead. So, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I don't remember what I said in my form, but, um, but obviously being disabled and being on any dating app is, um, <laughs> is uh, confusing in itself. Confusing, difficult, all the above. Um, but for me, my experience, like, is it's kind of like the same like what I was saying earlier about how like people see my face 
and they're like, oh, you look a little different, but like still cute. But then when I go to meet them in person, then they kind of get like thrown off, you know, and they're like, oh, I didn't know you were like actually disabled. And I'm like, yes. Like, don't you love the actual, like, what is, who defines what the standard of actually disabled is? What I want to know. Who figures that out? Because, exactly. Yeah. And I've had that a lot where, like, I'll be chatting with someone on the app or whatever, you know, and we have a good combo and things like that. And, you know, I do disclose ahead of time, like, hey, like, I have this thing, you know, like, I just want to let you know. And they're like, cool. And they seem like super cool about it. And they're like, yeah, cool, whatever. You know, and we might even like talk about like science or whatever, you know. And then I go to meet them in person. And then it's kind of like this reaction of like, oh, this isn't what I signed up for. Oh, people are so gross. And so, um, and so then I'm just, and then I just cut the bitches out. I'm just like, well, then fine. (laughs) No. (laughs) Like it's so, like, and who can say like, how do you know from a first date what you signed up for? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. No, it doesn't. And I think a lot of where that comes from is like, I, I think when people are so surprised by how confident I am, with being disabled now that like I think that does kind of throw people off because I think a lot of people assume that when you when you're disabled that you're a very like timid like shy person you know and you don't come off as very shy I, I no I sometimes am reserved in certain situations but I'm not a definitely not a wallflower type person no which I mean which I think probably because of your stature and other disabilities people would be would firstly assume that you were shy and meek and quiet and you don't just from this conversation so far I don't feel that at all no I'm not and I think I think that right there I think is what throws people off when I'm dating people because they assume that I'm this like meek shy person you know who's like soft-spoken and then I enter a room and I'm like, not that at all. And and it, it does throw people off. Yeah. I did find when you were telling that story, I was also looking up what the CVS slogan was. Uh-huh. And I feel like you should use it in your profile if you're going to disclose. <laughs> the CVS slogan is for your own good. And I feel like that <laughs> sums you up in a lot of ways. Okay. <laughs> So when you're disca- when you're like describing your disability to somebody, you should be like, "It's CVS and it's for your own, like or something like that." You could be like, "I'm for your own good" or something like sexy <laughs> and playful, and people have no idea what it is. But what I use actually sometimes I've done this a few times is, um, I grew up people calling me tiny but mighty, and so I've used that in my profile sometimes. Oh, I like that, but then sometimes that gets me in trouble because then when I do end up with somebody, then it's like, oh, how mighty are you? And I'm like, oh, wait, I have to like, <laughs> I have to like. <laughs> so like, it, it makes them like want to put a, put a gender thing on you? Like not a gender thing, but I think sexually, like when you say mighty, like they think something in particular was going to happen. Like, oh, like you're like super aggro about, I want to like sex. super dominant or something, you know, like a super, like a, like a dom or something like that and I'm like I mean I 
personally, I, I do like, you know, I do like some kink stuff, but. Let's go there for a second. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, you did mention in your questionnaire also that you did like kink stuff and how your your disabilities kind of led you to a more kinky side of yourself. Uh-huh. How does, how, how? Um, again, kind of like coming back to like discovering my queer identity and gender identity and like not having my body have to fit any boxes. That's kind of like what kink has done for me too, where like, again, like coming back to like accepting my disability and accepting what my body can do, like has allowed me to figure out different ways of expressing my sexuality that are maybe better for my body than just like the traditional like vanilla missionary situation yeah and so can you what do you feel comfy kind of do you want going, me to elaborate? yeah i do a little bit sure uh i mean i well this is a, a after dark show right? it's a sexy yeah it's a sexy <laughs> but you're, you're good to be sexy here it's fun um I, I don't know what do you what do you want me to i mean on? i mean what's your favorite disability related kink or kink that you've discovered as a result of being disabled mm. so um i personally really like uh a little bit of bondage and then pain i'm kind of mm. a, i'm a big pain person um okay. or pain slut as they say um <laughs> yes and i think part of that is i have a really high tolerance for pain and so, and I do. Well, I mean, of um, course you would. You came out of the moon yeah. with no skin on. So like, I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and because of that, and I also deal with chronic pain, like on a general basis. Yep. So for me to enjoy like a sexual experience, I do kind of need like a more intense, like version of that. Not, not intense version, but like I need certain sensations to be a little bit more intense in order to like, as they say, like, go over the edge. To, like, get off? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's but I cool. like, yeah. And so, and I think also that has scared people a little bit in my past when I've, like, hooked up with people because, like, we'll be doing something and I'll be like, no, harder. And then they're like, what? No, I don't want to hurt you. I'm like, no, that's the point. <laughs> and so you constantly have to, yeah. And I think it's, I think, again, because we've been taught as people to not hurt anybody generally but then on top of that there's ableism around like if a disabled person is telling you to cause pain they might have a reason for it like Mm -hmm. there there might be something underlying than just cause me pain there might be like the pain might take away the disability pain that people are experiencing and so like i think i wish more non-disabled people would understand that if a disabled person is asking you to hurt them with consent in a sexual experience there's a really good reason for it. Like me, for instance, I love it when a dude tweaks my nipples and not just tweaks, like mm-hmm. really gets in there and yeah. fucking hurts my nipples and yeah. it, it takes away some of my spasms and some of my yeah. tightness in my body. And so I remember somebody was doing that to me once and he was like, you really want me to go that hard? And I was like, yes, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> We're not there yet. Yeah. But yeah, um, I've had something similar happen where like I hooked up with this uh this person and we were going at it and um you know and I I I really like spanking and stuff like that and 
um, the harder the better. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, and so and, and so that was happening, and we were getting. Do you have it. a panel that says "Small and Mighty"? No, but I need one. That's a Can good we, idea. I, we got. We have to get you one. We have you to figure it out. It's engraved or embossed, so when you smack it, it leaves an imprint. Yeah, I love this. Oh my god! Okay, that'll be that'll be on my Christmas list. How about that? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't have a paddle in this situation. Huh, I wish I did. But uh but yeah, but you know, we were going at it and things and like, you know, and I wanted the person to like go harder and then they literally like stopped and were like, No, I'm not comfortable doing this. And I'm like, Why? <laughs> and they were like, I don't wanna I don't want you to like break. And and they were like treating me like I was fine China and I'm like, bitch. I'm made of steel. Like, trust me. It's literally, literally, yeah. I'm literally made of steel. I'm literally. literally made of steel. Like, you can smack me, spank me all you want. Like, I'm going to be okay. And I think, yeah, like what you were saying, like, it's just a lot. It does terrify able-bodied people when a disabled person is kinky. Because it, it's like a weird, it's like, oh, I don't want to hurt this person because they're disabled. But, like, they're telling me to hurt them. Like, what? You know? Um. So yeah, I think it kind of throws them off, but um, but yeah. So I like that, and um, and I do like a little bit of bondage as well. Um, so my, I guess I can share this. One of my, uh, I guess fantasies, as you could call it, is um, you obviously know who Wonder Woman is, right? Yes, yes. And you know how she has the lasso of truth. Yes. So, oh yeah. You are such a nerd. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would just love to be, you know how like she wraps Steve in the, have you seen the movie? Yeah. Yeah. You know how are you kidding? I've seen the- Chris Pine naked in that one scene. I was all there for that. Oh God. I want to be him in that scene. Just- I want to just be with him in that scene. Very the end. And like, there is a scene in the movie where like she wraps him up in her lasso of truth to like get him to say something. And like in that moment in the movie, I was like, oh, I would want Wonder Woman to do that to me so badly. <laughs> and just like <laughs> tie me up in a rope. <laughs> and then you can spank her with a with a paddle that says small but mighty. Well, she can do it to me. <laughs> Amazing. I'm here for this. This has been great. Um, and about like a, a pretty Pretty woman that also knows how to kick ass, but then can tie me up at the same time. I'm here for that. Taylor, this is such a fun combo. I had so much fun sitting down today. Was there any other cool parts of your story you want to share before we're done? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think what else I put in my in my form and things. Um, we kind of touched on all the things. Yeah. Um. I do just like to say that, like, you know, like, if, you know, if you're, if you're an able-bodied person who, like, is, wants to date someone who is disabled or is hooking up with somebody who's disabled, like, don't be afraid of it, you know, like, you know, it's, you know, and, like, disabled people are sexy, too, and they like having sex, and a lot of us are very kinky, so it's gonna be a new experience for you, but it's, like, I yeah. would offer just to piggyback on that. I would, I would say, I would say, be afraid, but tell me you're afraid, and like let's work through that together. Because I think, I think the trouble with telling, in my experience, 
with telling dudes that I liked to not be afraid. What happens is they're like, oh yeah, it's no problem. No, no big deal at all. And then they get there and you get to doing the stuff and they're like, oh, I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see it. Yeah. I would say though that like, don't be, I guess what I mean by like, don't be afraid. It's like, don't be afraid to like have a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, this is awesome. How can the people follow you and be in touch and how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, um, I am kind of off social media right now. I do have a Facebook, but um, it's more of like a personal Facebook. So um, I don't really have much of a following but, right now. But um, Okay, so what we can do is if anybody loved this story and wants to help Taylor live out their Wonder Woman fantasy, uh, <laughs> they can reach out to me and I will pass along said message. Yeah, yeah, I think that works for right now. And when I do have more of like a following, I can always add in that info later. Yeah, and I can put it in. I can put it into the thing. Yeah. But uh, this was awesome. And as as our good friend and fellow guest of the show, Kate Wolofsky, she was right in that you're awesome. And so I'm really glad we had you on today. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being uh, a guest on your show and... Um, I hope that the world of disability and sex is something that people can know more about and, and, you know, and yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hope so too. And I hope that like little shows like this and being the disabled daddy of the internet, I guess you will. I hope that, I hope that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. People, I hope that people, uh, I hope that people got some stuff out of this and learned some things about different stuff on this episode today. I certainly did. So yeah, I learned that you don't have a paddle that says small and mighty and that hurts. I know, and I did get one. Yeah. Please. I mean, and I learned that you came out like a superhero. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this was <laughs> such a fun episode. Taylor, thanks so much for being on today and hopefully we'll have you back sometime. Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. Bye. All right, bye. Alright friends, this has been another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm of course your host, Andrew Gerza, your number one queer cripple, and your disabled Dick Smith. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on all social media at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. We'd love to have you as a guest so you can shine a bright light on your disability story. If you want to support the show and get the show one day early along with ad-free versions of the show and a cool shout-out, you can head over to patreon.com slash disability after dark thanks so much for listening to the podcast shining a bright light on disability story we'll see you next time bye copyright notice disability after dark was presented created and produced by andrew gerza and wheels on the ground productions with music by music by space robot scientists Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020